Previously on Central Intelligence Cinema. We are here to talk about Mission Impossible 3. I hate this fucking scene. (laughs) It feels like an episode of Melrose Place. Or maybe, you know, a Felicity. How many times do you think Tom Cruise has been in a 7-Eleven in his life? Never. The charge goes off inside Lindsay's head and her eyes do that. (laughs) Ethan gets back home, but he can't say anything to Julia. Micro done. That might add, be added to the list. Add that to the list. <laughs> we see Benji. Woohoo! Davian is going to be at the Vatican. The location of the rabbit's foot. Ethan and Julia get married right there at the hospital. Right there in the hospital. Let's get the chaplain and get this ball rolling. That's right. And then they consummate in the supply closet. That's right. But, like, you know, Tom Cruise, definitely a, a caring and sensitive lover, starts pulling some <laughs> padded gauze or something out of the thing to lay out on whatever table they're going to Some of those tables have sharp the marriage and Exactly. Things, He's know. so thoughtful. <laughs> Beg your pardon. Forgot to knock. <laughs> Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand on Recording from an undisclosed lens flare bouncing off the skyline of Shanghai, it's the Central Intelligence Cinema. I'm Ben Esslinger, and with me, as should always be the case, Jason Greenberg. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. How are you today? (laughs) I'm doing great. It's fun to switch roles here. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit, you know. We're trying a lot of new stuff today. A lot of new stuff. And uh, I am thankful for once to not have to come up with something on the fly for what our undisclosed location is. Uh, <laughs> because as everyone's well aware, as part of our spycraft, we don't actually tell people the exact real undisclosed location, which would negate the fact that it is undisclosed. Undisclosed uh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are we are here uh, doing a little something a little bit different. See if we can shake things up a little bit, get those uh, tens of listeners out there to, to, <laughs> to tell us whether they like it or not, or, you know, continue in the quiet silence that we seem <laughs> to get when we ask for their opinions. Indeed, uh, indeed. But, uh, yeah, why don't uh, you uh, explain to our, our fine listeners just what it is that we're doing on this Slightly topsy-turvy episode. This slightly topsy-turvy. Cinema Podcast. Yes, indeed, indeed. This is a uh, part two of our two-parter. Uh, <laughs> if you're well, just... You know, it, it could have been a three-parter, I guess. It could have been so. a three if we were really ambitious. Um, but... <laughs> Yes, yeah, so this is episode 29, and uh, we are back for the second half of our review of Mission Impossible 3. So yeah, we just figured, you know, our reviews tend to get a little bit lengthy, and uh, you know, we're some long-winded chaps occasionally. We're some long-winded and- middle-aged men that feel like <laughs> the things that come out of our mouths are so much more important than they actually yes, are. Perhaps we've fallen a bit too in love with the sound of our own voices here and there. <laughs> And but, we know uh, that was the case if only people would tell us. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, so we're just uh, back once again to uh, get into the uh, second half of this review and see what's shaking. All right, then. Well, uh, should we get into it? Let's do it. All right. So we're off to Rome. Ah, uh, Rome. <laughs> Specifically to the Vatican, where uh, supposedly there's going to be some party at the Vatican. <laughs> a real to, humdinger of a party. I just want that to sink in. A party at the Vatican. I'm pretty sure DJ Khaled's going to be there, and it's going to be off the chain. It's, yeah. You know what? I don't know, but okay. Party at the Vatican, everybody. Woo! Honestly, though, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. I love this mission. It is. It's, it, it's, it's silly, and a lot of it doesn't make sense. But I still love it. I no, just love it. No, if if nothing, this is the one you want to do the commentary on while you're watching the movie because this yes. entire scene. It's it's just fun. It's yeah. just fun. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't drive a Lamborghini into the Vatican? Right, and then blow it up, and then blow it up. <laughs> But anyway, so we start off outside of the Vatican, ironically enough. Uh, Ethan has come up with this harebrained scheme, because that Ethan, what a wacky nut. Uh, where not only are they going to steal the rabbit's foot. Well, not the rabbit's foot itself. They're going to steal the... Well, I don't think they've been able to ascertain exactly what it is at this point. They well, find... and I, I don't think they know what they're actually stealing. Right. They just, they just know just... it's related to the rabbit's foot right. in some capacity. Yes. But his his super idea is not only we're going to do that, we're going to find out who he's selling it to by imitating him after we've already kidnapped, kidnapped him. him. So somebody's like, we got to get a mask in here somewhere, and this is how we're going to do <laughs> yep. it. Yep. <laughs> so in order to pull this entire improbable thing off, which you know it's improbable because the scene prior to it, everybody on his team explained that it was improbable and maybe even impossible. This and, is the Vatican. Right. And I just <laughs> I just wanted it to pop up with uh, – Anthony Hopkins' line from Mission Impossible 2 is like, well, it's a good thing we don't call it Mission Improbable or whatever it was that he yeah, said. Mission Difficult. Mission Difficult. This isn't Mission Mr. Difficult, Hunt. Mr. Hunt. This is Mission Impossible. <laughs> like, I wanted him to directly reference that because he got schooled at that point. But no, no such luck. It's just crazy Tom Cruise eyes. Yeah. I'm Tom Cruise. I'm going to make it happen. So... Cut to, we have to get Cruz over the Vatican wall, which we established is 60 feet high mm -hmm. in the previous scene. How are we going to do that? Well, Italian stereotypes, it, that's how. Oh my God, <laughs> so Italian stereotypes. So they're driving a DHL van because DHL, international packages. Yep, yep. He's in some sort of a, I don't know, a jumpsuit 40, or... 50s era Soviet... <laughs> worker class I know, I outfit know, right and that hat is just yeah and, and he so, might as well be a chimney sweep yeah I, I he looks it looks so unusual on tom cruise as to be put offing and annoying at the same time but he and uh declan's character i can't even remember his name yeah they get out putting the van at an angle that blocks traffic against and, the wall and then get out and start arguing to each other in italian mm-hmm with hand gestures. <laughs> Being extremely Italian-y. It's in the horrible. Worst, in the worst stereotypes you could possibly imagine. If they'd been dressed up like plumbers, it wouldn't have been more stereotypical. <laughs> and so, in the process of this exchange... By the way, both seem to be speaking Italian pretty flawlessly, so that was yeah, impressive. Props to that, at least. We get some Italian folks getting out of the car, yelling at them while they're yelling back. I feel like I feel like the director was like the director. It's J.J. Abrams. I feel like somebody on set is like, 
talking to all these extras that are the the pissed off drivers. Right. Can you be a little bit more Italian? Italian. I don't know. Italian. Throw your hands about. Everybody's (laughs) making the clam hands or the crab hands. So, yeah, ridiculous Italian stereotypes. Gee, thought we were out of this by the 2000s, but... (laughs) Apparently not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> anyway, so we get to the point where Cruz is like, okay, um, I got my window. I'm going to go do my thing. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to turn on the smoke. Yeah, that was a weird aside. Like, you need to make sure this is really legit. So turn the smoke on because we paid, because we used IMF money to make a to smoke make, machine. Right. That we didn't turn on immediately to make it look like <laughs> right. it was overheating. But okay, whatever. <laughs> so Tom goes wandering off in his little painter. <laughs> Mario outfit. Mario outfit. Um, <laughs> shoots a little ditty dop at the top that miraculously hits the camera at the top of the wall, even though it's 60 feet high and he yes. can't actually see Just it. Just like knocks that camera out immediately. <laughs> Done. Hits the grapple gun. And then we get another Tom Cruise running moment. Only this time he is running Adam West Batman style. <laughs> straight up that wall. Gets over the side, lands flat on his back and says... Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Worst line in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, as he's trying to sort everything out, he pulls out a little digital printer. Yeah, and and like a little camera to get the photo from the exact angle that the camera's camera's at. at. Prints out the photo and then hangs it on top of the camera and then takes off the scrambling device. Well, and it couldn't have just been a photo. It had to have been like a slide or something because you have to have light come through that. Because I was watching that going, if you just put a photo in front of a camera, you're blocking out all the light. You can't see anything. It's a magic photo. (laughs) It's the kind of photo that you put on your Apple laptop if you want to see the Apple symbol behind it. (laughs) And it's a photo that apparently can make little like fake uh, interference uh-huh. Fuzz on the screen of the you know when the the, the security guards are, are watching and it's like oh it's fine now well and I, and I like and I like how the security guard turns out oh the bueno bueno it's like thank you thank you doo, 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 blah, blah, blah. Right? right like nothing's going on so he gets it done Tom pulls out this little gadget that's actually the only probably piece of real tech in the thing right it's a laser rangefinder right to, to find, find out, out how far how- down he has to go. Pulls it up, 16.3 meters, no problem. Adjust the grapple gun, and over we go. Mm-hmm. And in the homage of mm-hmm. the prior movies Hey, before, you remember Mission Impossible 1, right. kids? I stopped just in time. Right there, in the same position. Now, what's funny, to, in, <laughs> in the making of that I was watching, uh, they were talking about that particular stunt, and they redid it numerous times. He was coming down too slow. And he was not happy with how slow he was coming down. Really? So he's like, I want to increase it. And he increases speed and he actually hits the ground in that scene and bounces back up. You could see it, but that's what he wanted. He wanted it to look instantaneous, boom, boom, boom. Not like a uh, just wonder walking if it down gave him the like wall. a hernia or something in the process. Probably gave him a concussion. Maybe it rebooted his system. I don't know. <laughs> they just had to do a but he seemed a hard okay. Reset. He, he seemed okay. <laughs> so he gets off the wall. Cut to him throwing the coveralls and the hat away. And what does he have underneath? A, a perfectly pressed priest, priest outfit. Ca- was I'd call that a cassock? I don't know. Complete with the little beanie, which is not a yarmulke. Um, <laughs> 
And I'm just I'm remembering every James Bond wetsuit episode I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's it, it's the movie. equivalent of that, right. except with a pre-suit. Yeah, which seems like it would be virtually impossible to get under a jumpsuit with legs. But right, because okay. it's like a flowing. <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a like a gown almost. <laughs> He's walking down, says hi to the other priests, marches his way it's into like, the thing. Yeah, of course. Like they just assume there are that so many priests there that oh, well, I just don't know that guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and that's the best-looking priest I've ever that's seen. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> I could really take us to a level that I'm not going to take it to on this podcast, but you know there's some priests in the Vatican that are looking at some other priests and going, that is a handsome priest. <laughs> um, but anyway, I digress. So we've got Father Tom, and I just kept thinking <laughs> Father Tom all the time. Because, I, you know, being the, the token Jew at my friend's uh, uh, Catholic youth group, we had, a father, <laughs> we had a Father Bill and we had a Father Tom, and it just, Father Tom, Father, Father Tom, how are you, Father Tom? <laughs> um, anyway, so he goes tromping through. Uh, the Vatican, looking for the server room. And, and this is this whole sequence coming up here is really hard to follow. Like, so yeah, he somehow finds the server room. He somehow no- knows exactly where to go in the Vatican right. to find the server room. Right. He has a, Apparently, he has an entire map of the Vatican. It is the impossible mission force. Oh, okay. Although... Sure. Didn't they point out at some point that they didn't have a map of it? I think Luther was saying that in the uh, in no, the briefing. No, no, that's that building in China. Oh, that they don't have. Yeah, okay. yes, because it's owned. Well, of by... course, they know the Vatican. It's been around for thousands of years. They they, they know what's sure. going on there. But yeah, yeah. I like how he he puts the jack cables on top of the cat cables, and I'm like, I don't that's, think that works. That's not how that. I works. don't think that's how that, that is works. So, and I'm also not sure what I'm trying to remember what that even does. Like, why did he? They were trying to short out the camera system in other places so That's that Luther right. could so, get in, yeah, and um, the, the and Irish Declan. dude could get in on his deal, and mm. and nobody could see what was going on. But right. I'm like, why did they just fire more little zit, zit laser thingies or the jammer thingies? Right. They also don't explain where Luther is coming in from scuba diving well like, it, he's coming it, in through some sort of a sewer system underneath the vatican okay so it's just the sewer system or something yeah that's why it's gated or graded from the outside to keep okay. people from getting into the vatican unless they have like i don't know a co2 laser no uh, i don't think that was a co2 <laughs> laser but that would have probably been more effective if they'd had it we know how napoleon solo and Ilya Kirakin would have gotten into the Vatican. Indeed. Um, but and it was funny you can tell that it, if that wasn't ving rames in that wetsuit it was some. It was definitely his stunt double. Yeah, they found a big man. They found a big fella in a tight little wetsuit, <laughs> bringing his meats. <laughs> I, I I thought about it. Waterproof. I'm like, this is case sausage here, but no, no. I I quickly moved away from that because I didn't want to think about it. Um, so anyway. Luther gets inside. Everybody is where they need to be. Yeah, uh, and they're well positioned. Declan goes in, gets into the sculpture room at the Vatican. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and changes into an, a Vatican guard outfit. After, oh yeah. After looking, yeah. well, first of all, he comes in dressed up like a tourist out of his DHL van. Right. So, so he can shoot that little tracer the thing tracer onto thing the manhole on top cover. Of the manhole cover, so they know where to leave later, and she knows where to park the Lamborghini. This is not the most complex thing in the world. Never mind the fact that if you're driving a Lamborghini into the Vatican, you're not going to park that thing yourself. This is my assumption. <laughs> but yes, she did. <laughs> so, 
it's because fine. It's, as fine. Of, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Luther gets uh, set up the, uh, with his dealie over there. Tom Cruise comes in and meets him. They're waiting for Maggie Q. Maggie Q comes in and she's driving her orange Lamborghini, which I found out was the first time she'd ever driven anything in her life. The actress. Really? Yeah. And they put her in a Lamborghini Diablo of all things. Good Lord. Um, the first scene where I drive stick and I bet I would make a mess of that car. It was funny to say the least. She says that on the first time she pulled into park it, she didn't stop the car and she ran into a car. Jeez. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and they had to reshoot it again. But uh, so Maggie Q comes in. She stopped at the gate. Perfect Italian, right? The guard. And here comes Declan running in in his Italian guard outfit. Signore, signore. I'm sorry, I don't speak Italian. Anyway, gets her into the thing. She pulls in, manages to park the Lamborghini right where it needs to be parked. Right. No one. No one's there. No one's there. They haven't parked another car in the time this whole exchange is going. Right. Good thing he didn't wait to see where she was going to park, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, we cut back to Luther, and he's got the mask set up. Yes, he's right? got... And a nice little touch on this was that the, the dummy head mm-hmm. looked very beat up and well used. I don't know if you noticed that, but like some of the black was scraped off. Like They've been using this mask thing a lot. Yes, yes. The actual head before they put the rubber part on right it. right 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 yeah and then they went full it was, a, it was well used well you know this is an unauthorized mission so they had to it was it was a uh, reserve gear right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why it was like some sort of a cnc routing machine it's like <laughs> 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 i'm like that's not how they made masks before <laughs> <laughs> and then a little automated spray painty thing right and, then, and i like how it didn't paint where the eye holes were i'm like that doesn't seem real realistic at all <laughs> when you're making a mask that's not realistic <laughs> but anyway while the mask is being constructed tom and luther or ethan and luther go in on their whole little thing about getting married luther's yeah. like i like how he specifically says 23 months and you'll be out not 24 to get to the whole two years 23 months and out and let me tell you know they're fitting the mask and he's doing the little pushy things yeah and you they're where they went from being Cruz to now that was good to Philip Seymour Hoffman. That was, was pr- pretty seamless. It was. It was uh, probably one of the best special effects in the movie. I would agree with that. That was because I, I was looking for it. I was looking for the the trade off. Now they did do the pass around. They did. But they passed at, around, but really the trade off wasn't until after the pass around. Well, I think they were coming back around the side, and you see Luther pushing it in. Over the under the eyes, mm-hmm. and it, they clicked it at some point there. Right, and so at some point, Philip Seymour Hoffman had a Philip Seymour Hoffman mask on his face, and they digitally did something. But then he comes out, and he still has Tom Cruise eyes. How does he have Tom Cruise? How do you act Tom Cruise eyes? I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman was a I amazing know. actor. So above his pay grade or under oh, his pay grade in this film. Yeah, I mean. I really feel like he was by far that was the best performance by far. If if he hadn't passed away, I would say that he should be the the villain in every mission movie going forward. Oh, absolutely. Like he is so effective, he's so good and he sets up such a personal thing against Ethan that it would be so great to see that going forward where, you know, obviously things didn't, you know, work out that way and 
now the villain is just sort of it's not a personal thing now it's just sort of i mean they try and make it personal but it doesn't really work it doesn't well, really i think i think that uh davian is the most bond villain that we're ever going to see absolutely in a Mission Impossible absolutely movie. but still just bring it the turnaround he tells luther oh we're already married dumbass and the movie's like congratulations yeah i know he like totally like flips the coin as soon as ethan tells right. tells oh, him the deal's done Mazel tov. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in between this, we're intercutting back with Maggie Q, who's actually in the Vatican party right. with tuxedos and risque dresses. In the Vatican. In the Vatican. Vatican. <laughs> right? Um, and she's got eyes on Davian, the real Davian, mm-hmm. kind of seeing where he's going. Things don't go like they planned, though, because there's nobody he's meeting with. Right, it's just they're just doing a pickup. They're just doing a pickup, which, when you think about it, also leans into the whole thing that we're trying to get Ethan Hunt to get this thing for us. Mm-hmm. He knew what the location was. The location is what's in the briefcase. Spoiler alert! I was about to get to that in about three and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> and it feels like when you look at it from the end of the movie, this is all just part of that set piece. Started with Lindsay, it's mm-hmm. continuing things along. But I don't think they knew one hundred percent something was going to happen there. Right. At the Vatican, because it still seems like there was a lot of surprise involved with what happens next. I think maybe they were anticipating something was going to happen after the Vatican. Right. Because at this point, our mole at Impossible Mission Force knows they're gone. So he had to think something was up but didn't know what was going on. Right. But anyway, can I also stop for a second? Wasn't that the most gorgeous briefcase you've ever seen in your life? Yes. Burled walnut? Yeah, it was nice. I'm like... Remember when in the 80s all the drugs came in those big old zero stainless steel briefcases? I'm like, I want this briefcase. That thing is gorgeous. I just want to put that in a room and just look at it. I don't even want to put right? anything in it. I want to put my lunch in it. I want my lunch, a couple comic books, you know, something I'm going to take out for the day. But anyway, we basically watch it. We get the case. This expedites where they're going. This builds the drama in the scene. Well, and then they got to do the whole wine spill to, well, to force it. him to the bathroom so right. they can channel where he's headed. Yeah, direct where the action is. And so she walks up and switches from Italian to Mandarin Chinese, I'm assuming, or maybe it's Cantonese, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But obviously he's got a translator who speaks every language on the planet. Right. But I love how indignant he is. It's like, oh yes, I just love having red wine spilled on my custom shirt. And I'm like, you channel pricks so well, Mr. Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, just the dripping with sarcasm. Oh, it's it's fantastic. But And he, just sort of assuming that she speaks no English whatsoever so he can be as well, honestly, it's it's Davian, so he doesn't care. He doesn't care, but we just established that Italians only speak Italian with their hands. <laughs> right. So obviously an Asian woman only speaks Chinese. Right. If we're if we're dealing in stereotypes here. We're we're going all in. <laughs> um so of course so he makes his way out to the bathroom to clean himself up. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise fully masked and now actually Hoffman playing Tom Cruise, playing Hoffman. And so good at and it. And so well. Watching this stout gentleman. <laughs> Running up wood beams and crawling, and crawling in things with this a very flexible apparently everything going. Yeah, it was a he was literally impressive. became Tom Cruise. It was quite impressive, and and just the physical yeah the physicality that he was able to demonstrate. Yes, I was like wow. Yeah, <laughs> okay, super impressive. So we get to the bathroom and Davian goes into 
the Vatican bathroom. Where he's allowed to have his own personal guards watching out for him. Which is fine, but... At the Vatican. The... An arms dealer. The sheer <laughs> beauty of the Vatican bathroom. Right. It's this immaculate... Marble. You're right. Gold filament. <laughs> I mean, this... And we all know, we've been listening, how much I hate bathroom fight scenes. But this <laughs> yet, was a bathroom I would not be sick to my stomach in watching a fight scene. It's that gorgeous. Yeah. It almost doesn't look like a bathroom. It, it has things that you find in a bathroom, but it doesn't look like a bathroom. No, not at all. And so he goes in, and here's the other funny thing. It's purportedly, this deal he's making is for $850 million for this rabbit's foot. Mm-hmm. Why does he go to the bathroom to clean his shirt? Right. He's not going to get red wine off that shirt. No. He already acknowledged he's not for the most part. Why don't you just leave? It's yeah, it's one it's another it's another 30 second time clock. Yeah, pretty much. We we yeah. need to stretch this out and make it more suspenseful. Right. So he goes in, starts cleaning his he takes the coat off, lays it down nicely. By the way, your coat's ruined too. Um, <laughs> and you know, starts cleaning himself up. I love to see where he lifts his head up. And Cruz is already behind him in the mask. Right. Knocks. Looks weird, too. Yeah. It was that maybe the jankiest. I was actually kind of going, okay, that definitely is a mask. <laughs> it, or that was just some really good Cruz channeling right there. Because right. it looked like Tom Cruise. He had the kind of crazy, <laughs> I got Tom Cruise face. I, you, <laughs> but then, you know, they get into a little tussle. He knocks him on the ground, puts him down there with a gun to his neck, and tells him to read a card. Right. I think it's like a poem, actually. It's some sort of poem to get the vocal yeah. thing so that his little vocal thing on, on his neck will make him sound like him. Mm-hmm. And then we get the actual 30-second clock. The actual 30-second clock. Because he knocks him out after he finishes reading it. And I like how halfway through he's like, what the hell am I doing here? You know? <laughs> Just finished reading it. Knocks him out. Declan comes out. Pulls him into the conveniently oversized air grate that's in said Vatican bathroom. Well, no, it, not even... Well, he, he's trying he's to pull him into door. it. He's trying to pull him into it. Right. But the security guard starts getting very wonky and everything. Right. Busts in. He's hiding behind the door holding Davian <laughs> in his arm. The, the big security guard, you okay, boss? And since the vocal thing is going to take 29 Thir- seconds, oh not 30, Here we 29 go. seconds Again. to calibrate. Yeah. He's pantomiming. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. Point, point, point. Stop. Starts coughing, you know, to exacerbate the moment. The guard's like, what in the fuck is going on here? And then finally, you're good to go. And did you catch the little subtle cruise Well, they do the, They do pickup. the crack. Yeah, they do the crack at the very beginning just yes. to make it to make it more realistic, yeah. like it's switching over. So I appreciated that little bit of minutia. Right. But uh, <laughs> the impossible mission made possible. And so uh, they get out. Um, he's walking by. He's got the case. Bumps into Maggie Q again. Right, of course. And this time and this time he flips the coin. He's like flirty, flirty. Right, right, super right. Super right. charismatic. Right. But, you know, and his two people aren't like, what is going yeah. on? Everybody's like, what the fuck? I mean, she's very attractive. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, feels like more attractive than a Philip Seymour Hoffman level, but I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, we're trying to get, it's a clever way to get him into her car. Right. So they can affect the coup de grace of the whole operation. Right. Right. So, you know, he heads off and the the security lady's like, do you want us to take the briefcase? No, I got it. We're good. Right, of course. Of course, right? So they get into the Lambo. This is another great part. They open up the manhole cover or whatever. They're like, what's up? 
<laughs> that, that was the best, right? So the dr- the, the the bottom of the car opens up, and Luther pops over the man over cover. Hey, hey! And then you got Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's Tom Cruise. What's up? <laughs> and so they escape through this little secret passage in the car into the manhole, and then we get the you know the the de rigueur pulling the mask off, right. Tom Cruisey thing. She's like, it's such a nice car, and yet, bleep. Boom. Badoosh. <laughs> Lamborghini blowing to pieces, but not a real Lamborghini for all you people out there. Don't be worried about it. And then finally, we get the team awesome jump up in the oh, slow, mo- you know, slow motion scene. <laughs> I know. From in the, every in the 80s boat. movie in the boat. <laughs> Maggie Q's hair is blowing in the breeze. Wee! Tom Cruise. <laughs> we did it. It's right. Tom Cruise definitely driving the boat. Not a stunt person, He's by the way. He's definitely driving it. And they said that was the very first scene they shot in the movie. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, and wow. so everybody's like, I guess we're literally putting our life in Tom Cruise's hands at the very beginning of, of this. Of course they are. And you know what Tom's doing while he's driving on that look at, yeah, over there, that that's the blah, blah, blah. And this building over here, built in 1742. I'm Tom Cruise. I know everything. <laughs> Ving's like, this guy never fucking shuts up. He, he doesn't. He's 24-7. <laughs> he's never off. Anyway, their successful mission. Aren't we all happy? As we're we're running throughout there, we get Musgrave coming into Brassel's office, and he's like, "I uh, just want to let you know, uh, Ethan and his people, they got Davian. You know, no big whoop, no big whoop." And Brassel's like, "Did you know about it?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, totally knew about it. Totally knew about it. <laughs> Suck it, Trebek." And then heads out the door, which you know, we're still not sure where Brassel is on this. Right, exactly. Well, and it's a good. I will say that is a good little moment of deception because it. Because things go to shit right after this. And so you assume that because he they told Brassel, but what really happened was was that Musgrave found out about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it went to shit. But like but the viewer, when you're first watching it, you immediately go to Bra oh, well Brassel found out he's he's the bad guy. Right. Which is where we're trying to get things. Mm-hmm. So we kick it over to uh this wonderful looking Gulfstream airplane. Which is also doubling as some sort of a nuclear bomber, apparently. I don't know. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about airplanes, particularly commercial airplanes. Most of them do not have a bomb bay built into them. But there's a bomb bay in this one. Hold on. We're getting to that. So this is basically the haha, we caught you now. We're gloating phase for Ethan and Ving Rames in this thing where they're going to interrogate Davian, Mm -hmm. who is having absolutely nothing to do with it. Right. At all. Well, and Ethan so just looks like the cat who ate the canary. Just, yes. You're dead. Yes. So you're going to tell us everything you know. That's right. Everybody thinks you're dead. Nobody's coming to rescue you. This is my thing now. And Damien's like, you have a girlfriend? Yeah. You got you, a wife? You had someone you love that you care about? Yeah, I'm going to kill him. That's all he's doing through the whole thing. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I could give two shits about you, Ethan Hunt. I don't even know who you are, <laughs> but I'm going to find out. And when I do, I'm going to kill you, your family, your entire genetic line on both sides. <laughs> it's I'm going to go full Al Capone on you. Right. You want his family? Dead. I, I want wanna... his house? Burned to the ground. <laughs> but Ethan, of course, is Ethan Hunt. I'm not having any of this until he brings up Lindsay. Which is a sticking point for me. I got to admit, like, come on. This guy's, Ethan Hunt has been through a million of these. He's not going to get rattled by this. If it had been his wife, that he knew, I know who your wife is, Ethan Hunt. I could see that level of rage. Right. But over an agent that he wasn't sleeping with. That he wasn't, quote unquote, sleeping with. Yeah, it's, see, and obviously this is just another scene of 
good nerds writing bad writing, mm, right? We yeah. could have come, we could have spent a couple extra days workshopping this <laughs> and come up with a better way to get his name out there to find out, right? But nope, Ethan just ping, little thing goes off in his head. Not a bomb, folks. That might be later. <laughs> um, and what did they have him on? I'm not really sure. Was that a bed spring? Yeah, it looked like um, <laughs> it looked like a bus bench, but for an airplane, I guess. Yeah, but it was like the frame of a bus bench. Yeah, it was weird. And I don't he, know what the hell that was. Tied in, and Ethan just <laughs> power struck, just drags him over to this bomb bay. Right, opens it up, pushes him out upside down. Right, face and, down. Right into the air. The air, you know, and starts. <laughs> What did the rabbits find? Where did, and he's cutting off straps. Yeah. As he goes, let's build up that suspense. Doink. Beak. Meanwhile, Luther's like, Ethan, don't lose your shit. Ethan, don't lose your shit. He's already lost his shit, Luther. Right. You should have been over there restraining him. The irony is, is that they would have been better off just dropping him out of the airplane and killing him. <laughs> At that point, it would have solved everything that came after. It really would have. It really would have. Because <laughs> um, I'm like, you've got... An- you've got the briefcase. Yeah. What do you need Damien you- for? Because they wanted him. And I'm like, well, you guys are the impossible mission force. You could have dropped him over the Atlantic Ocean and you nobody could have blamed would have- it on collateral damage. Yeah. Or haven't you genuinely just solved the problem? Right. Exactly. You know, that I feel like Brassel would have been like... <laughs> yeah. Good job. Because he didn't seem very upset when he gets killed at the end. But anyway, <laughs> eventually, uh, Ethan goes back to his senses, brings him back out. Um, and I love the line as everything's settling down. And he's like, yeah, you know, good to know, Ethan. You know, mm-hmm. he's got his name. He's like, right. I know who you are now. Right. I've got you sorted out. Sure. And and a guy like that who's a contractor is going to know people in Ethan's business. And if he hears Ethan, he knows it's Ethan right. Hunt. Even if he didn't have a mole, he right. would have still been able to sort all this out and get it figured out. Right. So there you have it. We move over to immediately the plane lands. They're doing a prison transfer. They put him in an armored car, which we all know is not armored enough to stop anybody. Right. So why do they bother? They could save a lot of armored cars that way just by putting them in something regular. Those armored cars are no match for uh, colored foam. Colored freezy foam? Colored freezy foam. I'm like, this seems <laughs> like something out of Batman's utility belt here. I don't know. But sure enough, we must have landed in Florida because, look, there's long bridges. Although I think they said it was the Chesapeake Bridge, so they must yes, have. Yes, it's the Chesapeake so Bridge So they landed Bay back Tunnel. in Virginia. Yeah. Um, but, man, this is so true lies. Uh, this whole movie is True Lies with Tom Cruise in it and 40, 50% less comedy. <laughs> and I'm like, did they literally just rip off True Lies? Yeah. At this point, I'm like- I, start- I could not believe it when they're going across the bridge and I'm like, <laughs> like my head blew apart because Instead I was like- Instead of a floaty airplane, which I'm sorry, folks, I forgot. They do have floaty airplanes that go up and down. Right. But- they wouldn't have been able to fly through anything like that because they need to go too fast to stay up where they're at. But we we exchange floaty airplanes for floaty helicopters, right? Which, by the way, are now doing what helicopters do: flying higher than the obstacles and shooting stuff from the top. <laughs> also a drone. Also a drone. Which maybe the first time I've ever seen a drone in a movie. I think. Well, two thousand six. I mean, that's, that's we were kind of early. We had those things. That's some early drone times. Early, but, early drone time. Back, back in the early drone <laughs> ED, EDT. Back in EDT. EDT. EDT you know, <laughs> back in uh, 2006 EDT. Um, but anyway, so there's a 
fully coordinated attack on the vehicles that are driving Davian around. <laughs> that apparently no one takes notice from the other side of the bridge. No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> no one reports it. No, not no, at all. No, no, you know, authorities come to check any of this out. Uh-uh, no, They're no. just blowing this bridge to smithereens. We just have rockets and machine guns, <laughs> helicopters and drones, and nobody's coming to help on the other side. And of course, they don't do it on a road. They do it on a suspension bridge. Right. Because, well, true lies, right? <laughs> I, I guess that's the only reason. So we get this whole melee, and I'll tell you what, as far as shooting scenes go, as far as the cinematography, I like a lot of the things that happen in this thing. I do too. The scene where Cruz is standing up and the helicopter comes up behind him with all the guys sitting on the rack. Yeah. And they're all just like, hot, 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 hot. You can just hear them <laughs> yeah. all, hot, hot, hot. And he just kind of turns and like, Oh shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. But this this scene is it's full of amazing stuff. Things getting blown up, cars getting blown up, people getting shot, everybody getting divided. I like how when he hits the drone, he gets the gun from the thing, he hits the drone, drone goes spiraling in, breaks the cables that they're trying yeah. to scale back down. There was a lot of thought and effort that went into yes, this whole the, thing. There was the fact that they created collateral damage. It wasn't just, you know, just out there not touching anything else. They actually thought about how would this happen if this was to actually happen. Right. And I think we get uh, Tom Cruise running scene eight, nine, and 10 in this particular I scene. I believe so, yeah. Um, and we even get a uh, jumping across the broken part of the bridge and landing and grabbing on in a very Indiana Jones kind of oh, vibe. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Who is the uh, stunt coordinator for this movie again? Uh, oh, the, that's right. Yeah, that would be, uh, gosh, what is his last name? Vic Morrow, I believe. Yeah. Um, who's the same guy. He was the same guy that played Harrison Ford's stunt double through yeah. the 80s and a good portion of the 90s. And he is the stunt coordinator for just about every movie in the universe at this point. <laughs> so we're not really surprised to see our modern version of right. Indiana Jones doing some very Indiana Jones shit. In fact, there's a scene coming up that is so Indiana Jones that I may only talk about that during that scene. Um, <laughs> but it's worth noting that there is a particular point in this scene where one of the Tom Cruise's runny, runny scenes where there's an explosion behind him as the, the truck that he's in that has the gun blows up and he goes sideways into a car, busting the window and knocking the wind out of himself. And it's one of those things like Tom Cruise is like, I can't just run away from this. I need something else to happen. Right. They gaffed this whole thing on the fly on the set. Because didn't they wire work him to so they, they could did. yank went, him? So they and could they yank yanked him? him into that car. That isn't CGI. That's Tom Cruise taking one for the team. Yeah. And his full reaction when he wakes up or gets up and has to fake that there's a helicopter flying or a drone flying over his head. Right. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, ladies and gentlemen. Tom There's a Cruise. reason he was in number one box office smash forever. Yeah. Dude's so committed. He, Yeah, he was always going to commit to that bit. So meanwhile, we've got the Hut Hut soldiers. They come over, spray the foamy <laughs> cold stuff, bust open the, the armored car, because why do you need armored cars if right. you have freezy, sticky stuff? I don't know. <laughs> freezy, sticky stuff. Davian gets out. As Cruise is doing his, oh, across <laughs> the bridge. You get, the, get uh, Davian into the helicopter. Helicopter takes off. He gets off a few pot shots. Runs out of ammo. Of the, course he of course he runs out of ammo. Of course he runs out of ammo. Not that hitting the bridge or the helicopter was going to do anything. 
Ethan, you got to aim for inside the helicopter, <laughs> not right? on the helicopter. Why would it, come on, man. You're supposed to be Ethan Hunt. You're supposed you have to be a holographic a sh- sight on that. I play Call of Duty. I know I could have hit who was inside with that sight. <laughs> Why weren't you? Also of note in this scene, actually before all the shit goes down, we see that video from Lindsay. Oh, that's right. At the where, very beginning, yeah. they decoded what's on the microdot. Yes. And basically it's saying there was a call made that she intercepted using IMF technology that went to Davian. I think it was about her, was it not? I think so. That she'd been blown by somebody in I. Okay, that's not the right way to say it. <laughs> that her cover had been blown by somebody in IMF <laughs> and that the call had come from Brassel's office. Right. Now, it's very key here because... When I watched it on my first rewinding, I thought it was from Brassel. But when I watched it a second time, it was they clearly office. say Brassel's office. Yes. So a location, not a person. Yes. And so this is important later when we get into Act 3. So take you might, notes, kids. You guys might want to take a note right now. <laughs> There'll be a test. So, yeah. So, there, so And this also alludes back to something else that we skipped earlier. When he rescued her... She was trying to tell him this. Oh, she yeah. She wanted him to go off comms. But she was too... Oh, that's right. But they couldn't because they started getting shot at. Oh, wow. So, so it, it's the pay forward for that one. Wow, on that as well. wow. But anyway, Davian escapes and God, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That look? He No, he stares at him and he's like, you're not... I don't care about you anymore. Yeah. That, that, that It was just like, okay, you're not a concern. I'm moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. One look. Just conveyed so much distaste. And just owned him. Just yeah. owned yeah. Ethan. And, and was all like, and I'm coming back for you, motherfucker. Yeah. Bye-bye, motherfucker. Bye-bye, motherfucker. <laughs> so we're done with that. Ethan calls home because now he's genuinely concerned that something bad's going to happen to Julia. Right. And her <laughs> dipshit brother. <laughs> played by none other than uh, Aaron Paul of Jesse Pinkman fame. He calls her, hey, I need to talk to Julia. Oh, hey, man, I hope you weren't mad that I was, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> And he's so patient with him on the phone. He's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I need to talk to Julia. Yeah, you know, her English, her English friend was calling, and I just said, you might be able to get her at the hospital. <laughs> and Ethan's just like, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> so he knows that something's going down. He grabs the most convenient uh, Mercedes convertible on the bridge. <laughs> right. <laughs> and jumps in Batman style, <laughs> which he can do because he's so little. He's so he's wee. So he just slide right in. <laughs> wee. And then drives like a maniac to get to the hospital while calling her on the cell phone. Also, not a fan of cell phones in this movie. Way too much cell phony stuff going There's on. There's a lot of cell phony. And I was going to wait until the we third can wait act. Wait till we get there because that's where it's the most egregious. Okay. Okay. But he's driving. And by the way, Cruz drove that entire scene with the cell phone. Jeez. They choreographed the whole thing. I hope it was automatic at least. Uh, it wasn't a manual, I'm sure, but he, <laughs> he said he drove it through slow, I think, two or three times in the, the full speed, and that's the one they captured. Because Tom Boy, Cruise. Tom Cruise, ladies Tom and Cruise, gentlemen. everybody. Yep. So he pulls up to the hospital, runs in, starts asking people where she is. Meanwhile, well, as he's talking, he gets one of the doctors on the phone, the doctor that witnessed their wedding, no less. Right. He's like, can I talk to Julia? But I love, I love, I love, I love when he first comes in, he goes right past the guy that's got her. Yeah. Because she, she's covered up in the, uh, right. in the, in the, on the gurney, in, on the gurney right? Uh-huh. Because he's so, you would have think, Ethan would be like, why would a guy be carrying somebody in an ambulance uniform out, out of the building? Out Had he not been so worked with up? With a with a blanket. Yeah, with a blanket, with a person clearly underneath it. Right. Why is he taking a dead body out of? Yeah. But we didn't see it. 
I'll, um, I'll allow that one because if you're if you're freaked out that your wife's just been abducted, you're not going right. to pay attention to details. Right. If things that had happened after the fact didn't happen, he probably would have two and twoed it together. But, right. But meanwhile, he's trying to call her. The doctor transfers. She's taking a shower. Phone's ringing. She doesn't care. I'm like, I know you're at the hospital, and you, you know, maybe we can ask Kim if this is. <laughs> but, but she didn't look like she'd had a particularly gross shift, is what I'm saying. She could have just gone home, <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, Cruz gets in there. Ask, I don't know. Ask, I don't know. He knows everybody in this hospital. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Hey, Ethan. It's yeah. Like, everybody's like chummy with him. Yeah. <laughs> the security guard downstairs. All the doctors, some extra nurses. Hey. So he, if he'd had to go through everybody he knew in that hospital, it would just the movie would still be going now. <laughs> but anyway, so doesn't know where she is. Okay, fine. I got to go. He gets out there and enrolls all the IMF boys. Oh, wait. Doesn't he get the phone call from Davian first? Uh, yeah. Does he so, get the call? So he gives up on the hospital and he comes out of the hospital and he gets the phone call from And then from he gets Davian. the phone call. Yes, you're right. And Davian says, well, you know, basically I've got your girlfriend. Uh, you're going to go get the rabbit's foot for me um, or she's going to die. Right. And his very James Bondian bad guy way of doing things. Right. Ethan tries to negotiate. There's no negotiating with this no. guy. So he's off to go do what he's going to try and do to get this accomplished. Then IMF shows up. In their big black trucks. And this is, man, like, J.J. Abrams is really just, like, trying to put the thumb screws in the viewer at this point because the pressure that yes. they are building just over and over and over again. First, he gets gets away. Then, immediately, he has to find out where Julia is. Right. And he immediately finds out that they know exactly where she is. Yep, and then she's gone. And then she's gone. And then, before he can do anything about it, then IMF rolls up, right? Like ten cars deep, like right. Right, with a stun gun. And then, did, did it feel like he was talking to the IMF version of Phil Coulson at that point? Oh, very much so, <laughs> very much so. Because <laughs> he's like Mr. Hunt, and I'm like <laughs> Director Fury. Part yeah. of me wishes that they would go and CGI uh, Greg Clark or Clark Gregg into that. <laughs> it's like I switched agencies. I like working for Shield better. Um, <laughs> But we get the whole, I'm running again. Running it well, tried. Yeah, cruise, cruise running scene number 92 mm-hmm. of this movie. And he gets tased and he goes down like a, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he does a good job of looking like a man who's just been tased. Oh, yeah. So we, we get up. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why is he in this mask? <laughs> this Hannibal Lecter-style mask. They've got him strapped to a gurney at the IMF headquarters with a mask that's covering his entire face except why, for his nose. Why is this the go-to to to shackle him? What did they think he was going to do? Is he, Were they like, this is Tom Cruise. <laughs> is he going to bite talk, somebody's face no, off? If he could talk, he's going to charm everybody into doing what he wants. That's the only thing I can think of. He yeah. can't spit acid. Right. Right? He's not going to try and eat somebody. It's a little puzzling. So I'm just like, the Tom's like, you know what would be cool? I want to wear one of those masks. <laughs> he had a Tom moment and had to have the mask on. But anyway, so he's in a gurney. He's being rolled into an interrogation room with big glass windows, kind of like the interrogation room from, I don't know, True Lies. Um, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, yeah, folks. It's a little, a little um, similar. Um, Brassel comes in, does his whole... 
I would bleed on the flag to keep the stripes red. Speech. That's a weird line, man. Who wrote that? That's a the weird... same guys that wrote the the Invisible Man line. It's just <laughs> they were like, "This is what a patriot would sound like," right? I mean, I suppose it's a way of trying to let the audience know like who the real traitor might be. I think they're doing it to accentuate the point that. They're trying to make you keep thinking Brassel's bad. This is what I will do to protect my country. Right. Maybe Because you get a watered-down version of that speech later when you find out who the real bad guy is. That's true. And maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe you think, oh, he's so maniacally, quote-unquote, patriotic that he's willing to do crazy things like ally with Davian or something. Right, exactly. I'm not talking bad about him, but I know I can get what I need to get in the end. If I work with him. Right. But you don't know if that's what's going on. Right. But he makes a very short, powerful speech and leaves. And then, hey, Ben, you remember that scene earlier in the movie <laughs> when they were at the party for the engagement and and, and Ethan was reading lips and oh, could yeah, tell where the he, lake was? Hey, you know what? Ethan can read lips, man. Man, I'm glad he knew that. Wow. Because it seems that's like- convenient. Because all of a sudden, Musgrave's like, Ethan, listen to me. Pay me the courtesy of looking at what I my face when I'm talking to you, and you get crazy cruise eyes. And he's all like, "I'm opening my mouth to tell you a secret, but I don't want anybody to hear." I'm very disappointed in you, Ethan. You should go to this place and find everything you need to find. But if only there was something I could do to help you, like hand you a knife that nobody can see me handle. <laughs> Bye, Ethan. Bye. Bye. <laughs> So Musgrave basically sets up a way for Ethan to escape because they're buds. They're homies. And they know that Ish. He, they know he's on it. He knows the stakes. Julia's in trouble. Only Ethan's going to be able to pull this off. And so he walks out. See you. Wouldn't want to be a Smell you later. You know, and his breakout is very Hannibal Lectory as well. It does a have little an element bit. of it. Because he's in that elevator. It yes. made me think very much of the elevator in uh, Silence of the Silence Lambs. Of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> There's some similar. There's some movie I mean, obviously, here. obviously, he's more agile than Anthony Hopkins. One would hope. <laughs> One would hope. Still, a pretty good fight scene that he does yes. in a gag mask, no less. I, I kind of like. I, I'm just a fan of fight scenes in small quarters. It was not the Captain America beating up everybody in Winter no, Soldier fight. No, it wasn't that good. But maybe but. the best elevator fight until that one. Yeah. And they were doing it in one of those industrial strength gurney-sized elevators. Right. So you know, Captain America was doing it in a passenger elevator that was full of people. So kudos to you, Chris Evans. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Ethan stops the elevator with a well-timed throw of his whatever he was using to hit the the fire alarm stop button. Right. Climbs out through the top, finds the only non-greasy, dirty portion of that entire operation in that elevator. And I don't tell you what, folks, <laughs> I've seen the insides of elevators. I've had jobs where I've had to go look in there with inspectors and see things. There is not anything clean in an elevator. I don't even care if it's brand new, it's covered in grease. <laughs> so he goes shimmying up a cable or a hose or something up to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, we then cut to uh, we then cut to Brassel doing his best Darth Vader talking about getting the droid scene with his aide de camp. <laughs> where, where and then <laughs> Ethan Hunt starts doing that is the worst but best worst impression of, of, of Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne ever. Right? <laughs> it's like he doesn't have little the little voice thing on. I'm just going to do a 
I'm, I'm, I'm just going to talk I'm like I'm just going to talk like he is. It sounds like it close enough on the radio. <laughs> and then uses a very ultra high technique thing to prevent them from communicating with each other. What does he do? By keeping the the, the transmit. walkie-talkie mic on transmit. Right. I don't know if anybody of our tens of listeners has ever listened or played with walkie-talkies before or used them at work. It's so much fun to do that to people. <laughs> I can't even tell you. So High tech. High tech. So Ethan gets all the way to the top. We find out that- What was that music that he played, oh, too? Oh, it what? was uh, We Are That's family. right. That's right. Yeah. You put it next to the radio. Brassel's like, You've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> right? And I like how in the IMF is located under the Virginia Department of Transportation building. Which is perfect for his cover. It absolutely is. Yeah. He's going into work and taking the <laughs> elevator down lower than it normally goes. <laughs> but, you know, he gets out. He just, he just walks out the front door. He just door. walks out the front door and... Off to Shanghai, China. Off to Shanghai, China in the worst disguise I've ever seen. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> like born, born on the 4th of July <laughs> with a Czech accent. Yeah, that was weird. And that I was did, like, so weird. It was. You know, like, it happened, the sideburns and the mustache. It's just a, it was a choice, man. That was it, it, a choice. Didn't it? But didn't it feel like something Val Kilmer did in The Saint? Oh, man. I, it's been so long since I I've felt seen. like he had a character like that in The Saint. And I'm like, are we pulling from the saint here? <laughs> but I like how Tom Cruise, convincing as a guy from Czechoslovakia. Right. Had an accurate accent, of course. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. Gets on the plane, goes to Shanghai. So then we uh, head into Act 3. Shanghai. Shanghai. This is where the crazy shit goes down. Now I want to point out, before we get into Shanghai, this is something that I was talking to my wife about. We've seen Shanghai in a Bond film. Yes. Right? We've seen it in a Batman film. Literally two years later, Batman film. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that when that that big jump to digital, because this was done in film, you can tell by the quality of of Mm -hmm. what it is, how people in digital shoot Shanghai much differently than they did back in film. Because there's so many neon lights and the bright Mm -hmm. color. Now, maybe that stuff wasn't there, but... It had to be, because what, uh, Skyfall was what, 2011, 2012? Something like that. Shanghai seemed very underwhelming in this movie. Yeah, no, it was very uh, pedestrian. Yeah. It felt very like, it could have been Cleveland or something. Right. I mean. That big sparkly ball thing that they have there, when you see it in movies now, it's all very boom, boom, and all the neon lights are like boom, boom, in your face, and Shanghai's like a big bridges and things. Well, the one thing I will say too about Mission Impossible, at least one through three, I feel like they didn't really embrace what Bond embraced from the very beginning, which is making the location a- Part of this movie, a a star. Yeah, a star of the movie. You're absolutely right. And, And they don't, Flip that switch until Ghost Protocol. You are and absolutely suddenly, right. And suddenly you go to Dubai and you know you're in fucking Dubai. Yeah. Because, because they show it. The only time you feel like you're in China at all in this film is that it, the the interstitial stuff that they show at the very end of the movie. Right. Or the running scene to, yeah. to get Julia. Yeah. When they're not actually in Shanghai anymore. Right. It's like, it's like JJ was like, you know, this, this, this little town is gorgeous. I'm just going to go crazy and be a cameraman for a while here and then threw some stuff in at the end to satisfy what he needed and moved on. Right. But I've never seen Shanghai look so pedestrian in any movie that I can recall. Yeah, very much so. It's like Shanghai only had three buildings and a dirt lot. Well, because most movies 
tend to want to show Shanghai as the future. Right. You know, they want to take advantage of the way that Shanghai looks. Exactly. And and give it that exotic, futuristic sort of right. vibe. And so we get three buildings, one that looks like Batman, one that looks like the LexCorp Tower, <laughs> and one that looks like that uh, USA Bank or US Bank building in, in, in Los Angeles, <laughs> all next to each other and seen. Yeah. Within but, a perfect uh, distance from each other, so you could. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Swing from one to the other on a huge like, fucking cable, like <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> Ooh, ooh! Can he swing from a web? Take a look overhead. overhead. <laughs> hey there! <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, we digress. So after what seems an inordinate amount of time of Ethan sneaking about in Shanghai, looking for the place that he needs to be at. Uh, he finally runs into <laughs> Luther, who's just kind of casually opening the door. And, right, he's and Ethan, a- Ethan meets him with a knife. <laughs> don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I like the way he says It's like, don't kill me. <laughs> well, so, it's funny because Ethan thought he was going there to find something. Right. Not to meet up with the rest of his team. That right. was a complete surprise to him. Yeah. So, yeah, Luther's there along with uh, Zen and... Uh, Declan. The Irish guy. The Irish guy. Man, we really should learn his name, but we're already too far into the well, podcast. Well, it's, it's Declan. That's, just, that's the actor's name. Is it? No. Yeah. I thought that's what his actual name was. Oh, I didn't put it in my notes. <laughs> that's even you didn't even now know. Now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm Wait a minute. Ch- I, hold on. I'm checking now. Yes, check it on IMDb. I'm checking on IMDb. The Internet Movie Database... Your home. Why am I giving them a commercial? <laughs> For all things movies. I'm going to put intermission music in right here. <laughs> Jonathan Reese Myers. His name is Declan in it. You're absolutely correct. Hey! One cyber cookie for Ben. Yay! So it is Declan. Uh, so anyway, so Ethan meets up with the team to discuss how to get the rabbit's foot out of the 56th floor of yet another impenetrable building. Um, apparently it's owned by, or it's like a Chinese military contracting company filled with ex PRC military people. Right. Which right. I don't know when you're telling you about ex military types, ex people's <laughs> Republic army of China mm-hmm. don't really seem like that intimidating to me. Well, and here's the, here's the thing that I have an issue with is they build that up. Like it's this, you know, impenetrable building, but they spend no time showing you once he's in the building. How impenetrable it can be. Right. He's literally in there for five minutes and you never see him in there. But I like that. I do too. I do too. Because we've already seen the intricate get into a building. Right. We've done, we've been there, done that. We don't need to do it again. I like that the the, the People would just get tired at this point. The mission was the escape. Right. And they put all the weight on the escape anyway when they were doing the planning. Right. Strangely enough, I actually kind of like the giant swing idea, the fulcrum idea. For some reason, it just works for me. It does. I don't know. I do like the uh, the whole beautiful mind. Oh, I know. Writing, writing on the wall. Right. And, and of course, Ethan Hunt knows all the right geometric the formulas no and calculus, you know, physics, all that. He's He's got it all there. He's just... But he has to draw the build. That, and they pick... Now, I don't know if they found a building that had that scene or if they that did had that, that through, skyline yeah. so he could draw it or if they just cgi'd it in there but the way he did the buildings 
was at an angle that was not where the camera was pointed at. Right. And then the ca- camera moves around until it aligns right. up, so which I'm was like, kind of... Yeah. So I'm like, maybe they did find a place where they could... I mean, they could have shot that from wherever that dirt lot was, which I'm assuming mm, that dirt lot... Yeah. Again, that could have been CGI'd, but I don't know. I just... It, and then you carry the two. <laughs> yeah. He's just writing out all I this. I like how he writes, Shoot. C-H-U-T-E <laughs> over on the left. I'm going to need a parachute. Silly. Just silly. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of fun though. Um, and I do kind of like that tense moment because this is, again, sort of a glimpse of that you could see in that other movie that we were talking about, that this movie right. could have been where Luther's like, this is the difference between genius and crazy. And you're in the crazy, ter- like, right. like just telling him this is stupid. There's no way this is going to work. And Ethan's just like, I have two hours to save my wife. Yeah, I got like, nothing else. So like, you got something. Yeah, and so he's basically just like, "We have to do this. I have to do this. I don't even. I don't know if it's going to work. It probably won't work. But and if it doesn't, she's dead, and I'm dead too. So it doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I kind of like that. I like that little argument where everybody sort of realizes, okay, he's willing to die. Yeah. He's willing for this to fail. Because this is the only shot he's got. Right. Exactly. So. And I do like how, you know, he's like, you can get the resources for it. I'm like, in two hours? Right. <laughs> Could we not have said four hours made it a little more realistic? I don't know. But. Right. Right. <laughs> so then they're on the top of the building. And I love, now gra- granted, this is my number two Pulp Fiction moment of this movie. <laughs> I love Luther's pre-swing pep talk slash game plan summary. It's great. It's like, (laughs) all right, so what you going to (laughs) do? We're going to shoot baseballs from this other building. (laughs) And then you're going to (laughs) swing. It's going to be fine. It's the whole lip reading scene. Yeah. Nobody needed him to explain what was happening. Right. But we're all too stupid as normal viewers to understand mm-hmm. the complexity of this plan. Again, this is another TV, mm-hmm. a TV producer slash director's mentality. Got to smash you over the head with it, it so again, that it, it's so all it, about you came in late to this episode. What's happening? Right. 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 And don't don't discount the Batman shot yeah. as they're getting to that building. Yeah. The, 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 the helicopter, the helicopter going around. all the way around. Off the building. I'm like, is that the same building from Dark Knight? <laughs> It's then, very, very similar. And, and I'm like, I bet you if you put those scenes, scene to scene, it's almost identical. Because what I've started to realize is I'll see this stuff on Facebook occasionally where they'll show like a match to match type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what if directors are just like, they already blocked that scene? I'm just going to call JJ and find out how they blocked that scene and save myself a little bit of headache trying to figure it out on my own. Yeah. You would think these guys collaborate, right? Oh, sure. It's like, we had something like this. We're going to have Batman. You know, J.J. James would be like, oh, that was like fucking cool. This is how we did it. Well, and the thing is, too, is in general, there really is mostly just one way to do something like that. Absolutely. And so why wouldn't you do it exactly the same? Well, Because, you know, it, it's going to save you money and time at the production. Exactly. And you Instead know that they're going to pay that forward to you if you see something that they do. Right. Right. So it makes me wonder, but God, that sure felt like Christian Bale getting ready to, what was he going to do? Oh, base jump off of a building in Shanghai, China. <laughs> Quite similar. Oh, didn't he shoot stuff on Windows too? <laughs> hmm. So, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> so they're shooting baseballs from the other from the other building. I don't know if they're baseballs or softballs, but the fact that they were able to find one and haul it up to the top of a building, right? That's the part of the impossible mission I wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they're shooting baseballs, distracting these these security guards, security guards who look like they're part of the Yakuza or something. Yeah, yeah. And so then you know Ethan does his thing and makes the giant swing and. For the most part, I really like it, but man, like that drop after he lets go of the cable, he falls like 30 feet before landing on the window, which doesn't break. Well, it cracked. (laughs) It cracked, but the thing is, is even the cracking of the window isn't going to save Ethan from about 5,000 broken bones. But anyway, it's Mission Impossible, so. That's that titanium alloy that they crank the bones with. Sure. He's fine. That's right. It's IMF patented, you know, things, nanotech. technology. Nanotech. Nanotech. Then we have nanotech in the last one. We got sure. nanotech in this one. So, so again, uh, we don't actually see Ethan inside the building. Then they, all they do is they cut to the team waiting, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zen is in the car with Declan and Zen's just sort of... Uh, saying this little prayer type yeah, thing or whatever. Finding her dog or something. Y- yeah. You're she almost ex- having this kind of romantic moment between the two of it them. It was kind of a throwaway moment. Yeah. I was like, why are you trying to create a romance here that doesn't exist? Like, it's not necessary. There's no payoff for it. Come on. Maybe JJ was like, and in Mission Impossible 4, we're going to kill this dude. <laughs> it would have been It would have been funner to to make that a funny scene. Yeah, like, that, yeah. Like, there, there was know. there was definitely room, but you know what? This whole next action scene is kind of played for comedy anyway. True. So maybe you didn't need that extra bit of it. Yeah. Still, it seemed aimless and pointless to have this yeah. sort of like bonding moment between these two characters, who obviously could not give two shits about each other for the past hour and forty minutes. Right. Right. <laughs> so anyway, finally, uh, you suddenly hear Ethan on the CB. I'm coming. Out! I'm coming and suddenly he like smashes his way out the window. <laughs> I can't make it to the roof. I got to jump short. <laughs> yeah. So his parachute comes out and he's flopping all over the place and he just doesn't have enough time for the chute to fully properly open. Mm-hmm. But then the wind carries him. Yep. And this is a great part in that. <laughs> a great part in this scene when he smashes into that office building and he lands on the desk and he's sitting there looking at the rabbit's foot and then it focuses to the of course there's a custodian there right of course but, there is but where else did we see the main character looking at somebody in an office building a custodian in there during the final action scene true lies it's fucking true lies of course <laughs> the guys in there with the headset on with the That's walkman right. vacuuming uh, again and the harrier's wing again again god there are so many it, man this this movie is like it's the true 40, lies. It's like forty percent true lies. It's like ten percent pulp fiction. Ten percent pulp fiction. There's, there's coming up. There's about fifteen percent. Uh, the Matrix. Five <laughs> percent uh, Indiana Jones. And five percent Indiana Jones in here. We're almost there. Yes, we're almost there. So he sees the custodian. The custodian reacts, and then of course the parachute takes him back out the window. <laughs> he yanks him out the window, and he. Tom Cruise does a nice bit of face acting uh-huh. right here when he when he pulls him out. Oh the- shit! <laughs> shit! And then, of course, you know he kind of catches a lucky break where the parachute gets torn and slows him down. The parachute gets caught on the street light, mm-hmm. and that sort of slows him down. Then he's just hanging 
but <laughs> only a couple feet above the ground. Of course, then a giant truck is coming and he unsnaps from the parachute. And just as the truck is doing this crazy drifting looking thing, mm-hmm. it slides over him without actually running him over, of course. But but then the rabbit's foot goes flying. And here is my Indiana Jones problem. Oh, it's, it's now the I, antidote. Yes, now I get where you were going with this. It's the <laughs> antidote from Temple of Doom. Yes, sir. It just took me a second to get there with you. Yes, sir. Wow, that really... it. That is so Indiana Jones, actually. All we needed him to do was run into Maggie Q going, I need to get the thing. I need to get this. <laughs> right. Anything goes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wasn't he in Shanghai? He is in that scene. He is in Shanghai. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so the rabbit's foot is rolling around and getting clinked and knocked, and somehow it's not smashing to bits. Which, right. Which that's what I was expecting to happen. I was waiting for that to happen, even though I've seen the movie before. But anyway, <laughs> so he finally, after nearly getting hit by like 3,000 cars, he finally gets it. And then just as he gets it, he nearly gets hit by yet another car, which comes to a screeching halt. And of course, it's Declan in right. the van with everybody else. He's like, get in the car. They're pissed. They want their <laughs> shit back. So, so then they get in the car or he gets in the van and they have a car chase, of course. And I see, I feel like the car chase is kind of half-assed because agreed because they really only lose one car like they have that moment where ethan shoots out the tires and the car flips and then that's the last they see yeah it was it was very contrived yeah you would think that there'd be like at least two or three more cars there was more car action in him running through the busy streets to try and get the rabbit's foot than there was in that car chase yeah it just didn't feel like very it was a very short chase scene, but like mm-hmm. the chase scene in Skyfall or Spectre, where they're in the market with uh, the Land Rovers. It's Skyfall because that's the first yes. time we see Money yes. Penny. That yeah, lasted the same amount of time before he went on foot and was way more intense and involved as a car yes, chase. Yes, absolutely. And hey, that reminds me of the Spectre chase, though. Nobody was on the streets during the Spectre chase. <laughs> Just going to stick that knife in real quick. Anyway, I digress. Long-time listeners of the podcast will understand why I made that point. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they get away from, uh, well, Zen gets shot in the process of this. Uh, oh. I think that's the only way that they add gravity to this car chase is the fact that oh, well, Zen gets shot in the shoulder. She gets while shot in the shoulder, but also we're dealing with the cell phone conundrum. Yeah, the cell phone where... What is it? Are they trying to drive to an area where they'll get coverage Signal. again? Yes. Okay. Because he's got two minutes to call before he shoots his wife. Right. Davian shoots his wife. Right. And so he finally gets on the phone and Davian's like, you realize you had five seconds before I was about to kill your wife, right? Right. You know. But it's funny that, again, so we're talking just two years before the iPhone, right? Right. Everybody was using those uh, those Samsung flippy clippy phones mm-hmm. for, for the data and whatnot that they had. But um, it was probably relevant in 2006 for people to be waiting for signal. Right. Right. Yeah. It would make more sense then, but it's a very dated yeah, idea. And, and, and the fact that they delved into the, that was the 30 second clock again. Uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's our time conundrum that we have. Yeah. And it's just, sl- it's sloppy writing. I don't care what you say. And and we get another. We these get guys, an, This is not even the last timer we get. These guys can write Lost. These guys can write Trek movies. They can write lots of things. They obviously cannot write 
Mission Impossible movies. Mission Impossible movies are tough to write, man. They feel like they're not really that tough. I feel they're not tough if you're Christopher McQuarrie. Possibly. Or feel- or if you're uh, uh, Brad Bird. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, but Brad Bird can do zero wrong. Yeah. He's so, a friggin' genius. So that's fine. So. But I feel like they should have just stayed with their Felicity roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kept it, like you were saying, the, the other movie that you could see out the window occasionally. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But no. No. Mm-hmm. no. Okay. Ethan gets the phone call and everybody's safe, but not. <laughs> yeah. So Ethan talks to Davian and Davian's like, meet me at this place at dawn or whatever. Right. So they have this last little goodbye, which I was kind of, if I was the person directing this movie, I would have put more gravity into this scene where mm-hmm. he says goodbye to Luther. This is somebody that they've been friends through three movies now. Right. A long time has passed. He is like the one guy that everybody likes in the series. Right. It's like, have a moment. Well, yeah. Have a moment because in all likelihood- He's not coming back. Ethan's going to die. So like, punch that in so that it actually felt like he might actually not come back. Well, yeah. And given the emotional gravity they were putting in so many other scenes, yeah, this almost feels to me like somebody said, I don't want to do that. Right. Like somebody, either that or it was an editing decision. It could it could have been. been one of those things where, well, we're running long. I don't know. At two o five, that movie was not long at all. It was not long. Uh, maybe I just I don't know. I again, I feel like first time director mm-hmm. working with Tom Cruise. Maybe, maybe prob- Tom just decided. Yeah, nah, that's not the that those characters wouldn't have that moment. Right. But they're um, they're too they're too yeah they're too bro-ish. macho macho yeah. yeah and yet I feel like. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they totally they, they absolutely would have. Well, I mean, Ethan would have forced it. Yeah. Ethan would have at least given him a hug. Yeah. So I was kind of let down by like him saying goodbye to the rest of the team and being like, well. It, it did feel more like sort of a dismissal. Hey, the rest of the movie's mine, guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You can get your last paychecks as you head out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then Ethan, you know, has his like. Walk of death, or or, or the, what's that called when death row inmates are walking to to right be off to kind of felt like that. So you know he makes it to the field, and then the limo pulls up, and there's a little vial. Drink it, yeah. <laughs> Creepy uh, ambulance kidnapping dude. Yeah, tells him to drink it, and then of course he blacks out as he sees visions of Julia dancing in his head. Yeah, very Christmassy, <laughs> but with less clothing on. Um, <laughs> and speaking of Michelle Monaghan with less clothing on at Christmas, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, kids. Look it up. Look it up. Good stuff. So that's when we're kind of back at the beginning of this movie. So when Ethan awakens, uh, we see creepy ass Eddie Marsan again, uh, injecting the explosive charge into, into <laughs> <laughs> different Schwarzenegger movie this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a sticker if you know which one we're talking about as well. (laughs) Um, So they inject the explosive charge into Ethan's brain. And then he passes out again. And to finally wake up again, where's the rabbit's foot? Where's the rabbit's foot? Where's the rabbit's foot? And now you get some context here. Yeah. So now you know, okay, this is his fiance. or Well, now it's his wife. So his wife is sitting opposite him, bound and gagged, and not in a creepy way, just <laughs> in a kidnappy way. In a kidnappy so, <laughs> way. In a kidnappy duct tapey kind of way. Kidnappy duct tapey way. And <laughs> and he's shackled to this chair, and Davian's like, 
where's the rabbit's foot? And mm-hmm. he's like, well, I, just, I, I gave it to you. Right. They somehow made this scene even more intense by now you know that he delivered on what he was delivering. On. And yet. And yet he's still, what is happening here? I got what you wanted. Right. Which makes the viewer like, I was freaking, like at this yeah. point you're like, shit. So that's why it makes it so intense. He's like, don't, don't. You know, don't bullshit me. You you don't think I'll do this? You know, and then countdown keeps going. Mm-hmm. And Ethan's trying to charm his way out of the situation because he doesn't know what else to do. And right. finally just boom. And Ethan's just in a daze. Tears streaming down his eyes. Yeah. And Davian just sort of walks away. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And everybody just sort of like, what? What? And and then you see Musgrave walk into mm-hmm. frame. Oh, I should I should also Mentioned before this, meanwhile, we get a quick cut to Luther and the gang arriving back in the U.S., and they're greeted at the airport by what looks like almost the entire IMF. <laughs> like, all of them. Like, Brassel's there. <laughs> How many people are out there? Uh, uh, all of them? Yeah. And then, of course, they take them into custody. Yeah, so Musgrave walks into frame, and so we suddenly realize who the real traitor is, who's been behind all of this, which is why he keeps getting the upper hand right. through he the can, whole thing. And he gives his monologuing. Yeah, he gives he gets to like talk about why he did it and whatever advantages it is to be allied with Davian. Mm-hmm. And the fact that if you just take away Davian, another one will grow up like a weed. Right. Somebody just like Davian, so why not? Just partner with him and stop things where they happen. Right, exactly. And he explains, of course, that they had to make sure that it was the real rabbit's foot. And at that point, he pulls the mask off of the girl, and we realize it's not Julian, it's that... Security guard. It's the, the head of security for Davian, right. who failed him at the Vatican, which this was another part that I was kind of like, God, they make so little of her death. Like it's, I mean, granted, she worked for Davian, but still, it's like, oof, that's another brutal fucking moment Absolutely. in this movie. Kind of sweep that death under the rug in this movie. But so anyway, it was it was a convenient way to get themselves out of a very sticky situation. <laughs> yes, indeed. And Musgrave really goes full Bond villain because he reveals everything mm-hmm. right here. He tells Ethan everything he fucking needs to know. That's right. Um, because then he reveals that he told Davian where Julia was because he thought that Ethan could get her, get her back. Right. So it's like, it's like an, I had such confidence in you being able to do all this stuff. Right. And you performed magnificently. <laughs> so we get him interrogating Ethan about what was on Lindsay's message from right. the microdot. That's all he cares about at this point. Yes. So remember, kids, that's why this is all important. That was why the microdot in the video that they're watching, that's what, remember how we told you? Okay, Wanted anyway. his cover wasn't blown. <laughs> so basically, Musgrave just wants to know if he's in the clear or not, or whether or not Lindsay sort of bought that it was Brassel the whole time. Right. Well, it's because his usefulness to Davian ends if he's not involved with right, exactly. IMF anymore. Exactly. But Ethan isn't giving up what's on the video. Mm-mm. And so Musgrave and Ethan's like, well, I want to hear I want to hear Julia's voice. I want to know she's alive before I tell you anything. So he gets her on the phone and Ethan asks her a very specific question. Where did we meet on our whatever? That, that place that you can only get when you lip, read lips, I guess, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Wanaka Lake or whatever, you know. So he knows that Julia's alive and then immediately bites him on the hand, bites Musgrave on the hand and does a lot of kicky, punchy, fighty things that only Ethan Hunt can do. Well, he, no, he grabs a pen, takes out the body of the pen, picks the lock 
of the handcuff on the same hand because he's Tom motherfucking Cruise, mm-hmm. then unlocks the rest of them and right. And then, I don't even know how he knocked him out because he knocks Musgrave out at some point. I think once he gets loose, he puts the the, the punchy punchy on him and right. knocks him out. But just how he gets out. <laughs> yeah. And it's very efficient. It's yeah, astoundingly it's like, efficient. Like, a little. Boop, boop. It was like getting the proton torpedo into the Death Star's thermal exhaust port, man. <laughs> he was using the force on that little deal. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> Two percent Star Wars, uh, uh, maybe half a percent, maybe half a percent. So anyway, so from here he calls Benji to find out the location of the last call that Musgrave made on his phone, right? Because obviously that's where Julia is, right? So and any any time you get Benji in a scene, it's just gold. Because uh-huh. then Benji's like, do you realize I could be fired? And there's this whole big I really like thing. my job. I'm going to lose my citizenship. It's just such a great, I love, it's just what Benji brings to mission is the everyman. Yes. Why are, you know, like, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. Why would you <laughs> ask me to do this? So, Why would you want to do this? Right. So Benji's like, yeah, okay, she's in Shanghai. And Ethan's like, okay, well, how far away am I from her? And he's like, oh, you're in Shanghai. Right. So then he, so then he tracks where Ethan is, and he realizes that the, he's only about like a mile away or something right. like that. So then we get more running, <laughs> and Lots this time, so much running. Now this is the most matrixy run, just because. Tom Cruise is on the phone the whole time while Benji mm-hmm. is literally telling him exactly where to go to navigate yeah. through. <laughs> Operator. To, yep. To Exactly. To navigate through the city streets of Shanghai or whatever is doubling for Shanghai in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of love that Tom Cruise is yelling out Zukai yeah, as he's, he's running Chinese. through. Which Get out of the way, Chinese. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a nice, a, another thoughtful touch. At a full sprint. Dude, how? How does he? Because on the second time I watched through this, I was like, where are the cuts? Where are the cuts in his running? He runs flat out for well more than a football field. Oh, yeah. And there's no cutting. It no. is a single shot. Yeah, it's a single shot from a boat in the water and on that's that like river. And that's like full friggin' speed. Yeah, like full sprint. Yelling. Yelling at the same time. You know how hard it is to yell in full sprint at the same time? And he had to be yelling because it wasn't ADR. It didn't sound like ADR. No, not at all. They were picking that up with the mic as they were going through. Yeah. So Tom Cruise, National Treasure. Indeed. Indeed. And I will say too, credit to Dan Mendel and J.J. Abrams because I do really like the camera work on this. There's that one long scene where it's clearly being shot from the water Mm -hmm. and following as Tom is on the left of the screen, like running along the waterfront. Yep. That is a great shot. Oh, absolutely. That is is some good photography right there. So yeah, it's very Matrix-y, but... I don't know. I'll allow it. I, I think it's kind of fun. It got us where we needed to go. And I like the kind of... Simon Pegg is so good at adding those little, tiny little tidbits <laughs> of like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Not, you know, you know yeah, those yeah. little, little <laughs> subtle things. Hold one moment, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. He's <laughs> like... Where, where somebody comes into the room and, and he... Yeah, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, no, go left. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so then he, he basically gets to the building and, and he's sort of over and out with, with Benji. And I love... <laughs> I love how he walks in and there's these old guys in the restaurant playing poker or something. What's well, a hospital? Oh, yeah, that would make sense because it's med- there's all this medical shit yeah. in there. But they're still playing poker. They're still playing in poker a in a hospital. And I just love how 
white guy, Ethan Hunt, walks in. <laughs> they're like, oh, he's looking for that other chick. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, the white girl's in the back. So yep. just, just, just that way. Don't, <laughs> don't shoot us. Just, just, yeah, if you could just leave us alone. She's back there. She's tied up. There's like two guys. So <laughs> <laughs> that would have been kind of cool, though, that he when he pointed and then he maybe he's gone like two. Yeah, afterwards. if he, he would have changed from like the pointy finger to like the number two so, to let him know how many guys are there. Because he clearly, those guys clearly wanted no part of that business. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, so Ethan comes in, he di- immediately like disarms the other two, kills the other two guys, finds Julia. But then right as he's about to, to untie Julia, Davian sets off the charge in his head and sends him to the floor. And we get this brutal fight. Oh, my God. This is Philip Seymour Hoffman's physicality in this scene. It's impressive. It was like it's super impressive. It was like watching Vincent D'Onofrio when he was doing um, uh, uh, Kingpin and yes, Daredevil. Very just much so. Using his size to just pummel. I know. And well, and, and <laughs> this is sort of a moment too when you realize how small Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise really is. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I believe Philip Seymour Hoffman could throw him around a room. Yeah. Yeah. Just brutal. But then. It's funny how at at one point something just sort of snaps in Ethan where Ethan basically just uses sheer willpower, willpower yeah. to power through all the pain that's going on in his head. And it's, he does that weird thing where he puts his like fists up to the to the sides of his head to sort of help with the pain or whatever. Yeah, and then, and then just sort of rotate. Elbow fighting yeah, him. he elbow fights him. I think that's Capoeira, the fighting style. Yes, I bet that is. That that makes that, that but checks. he beats the crap out of him with his elbows. Right. And then he they then he, smash then he, out into the street. Right. And then roll. And then, of course, Ethan push, oh, pushes him up. And then the truck hits him. Which, and then the shoe. Oh, the shoe. Yeah, the, the shoe, shoe lying just... in the street. Which, <laughs> I got to be honest, it's kind of, it almost feels uh, anticlimactic. It varies, it's very anticlimactic. But I think I thought about this last night watching it again. I think Ethan got the ha ha, I've got you thing earlier on and it backfired on him. Right. So we didn't really need the gloaty over everything else, but you killed the best villain you're ever going to have. Ever. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no coming back from getting hit by a truck. Right. So He's many done. other ways you could have let the character go and maybe brought him back later. Yeah. You know, although we have seen how bad it is to bring back characters, Christoph Waltz, um, <laughs> for a later date. Not not that he was around with us much longer after that anyway. Right. But again, I, I think I said it before, it's Zoran. Yes. You kill your best Bond villain, <laughs> you can't bring him back. And then with Silva, you kill your second best Bond villain, and, and you, you can't bring him back. Right. It's just, you, <laughs> come on. <laughs> See, at least they got smart to that in Rogue Nation, and they kept uh, what's his face around for yeah the other one. Yeah, another fellow. <laughs> hey, I can't think of it either, so don't feel bad. Right. So but you know what? I'm going to remember it when we watch. I will remember it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so Davian's dead. So now we're back to the uh, I have to save Julia, and then I also have to save myself. Save myself, and hope to God that Julia can then save me. So we get this panic scene where. Julius keeps asking him. I, I did kind of like how Julius like, how do you know so much about this? Like, how do you right. know how to work that gun? Well, or- the funny thing is how he's explained here. Okay, so this is what this is a Beretta ninety two. If it's a very accurate <laughs> close range weapon, this is what you do with it. When you're out of the bullets, the slide's going to come back like this. You're going to take the magazine, and, it, and it's it's just 
Like, okay, then once you get that done, you're going to take all those onions that you chopped, you're going to throw it into the vinaigrette, and you're going to mix it together. Basically, he's like, honey, this is how you do something that I do for a living, but you don't, but I'm going to explain it to you in a not patronizing mansplainy way. (laughs) Right. I need you to understand how to do this. Right, exactly. All the while rigging up some sort of electrical thing to stop his heart because they can't find a defibrillator in a hospital. In a hospital. Of course. It doesn't matter. It would have taken 30 seconds for it to charge anyway. Because that's standard, right? <laughs> oh, no, of course. And with it being a Chinese knockoff, probably two and a half minutes. Well, what's funny is, is his jerry-rigged defibrillator, all it is is just shunk and on. <laughs> and cables. And then off. <laughs> right. But I do love how they're that little frantic moment where he's just searching all around mm-hmm. for something to to make a makeshift defibrillator with. And it's just like a bowl with water. I don't know. (laughs) He poured saline solution into the bowl to see if there was a charge. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. I was trying to figure out like, what, what is the bowl part of this? I Mm -hmm. was like, I don't know. I don't even know what this is. (laughs) So yeah. So Julia, Shocks him and basically kills and him. The, the and he breaks. Yeah, he breaks the. That was bite. such a good little part there where he puts the tongue depressors in his mouth, and yeah. when she gets zapped, he breaks it with his mouth. It just it sold it. Oh, it absolutely did. It made it look really like he was getting shocked. Like kind of frightening, actually. Now I will say this is some of my favorite parts of the movie, though. Is I love how badass she gets right. in these these little moments while he's basically dead. Right, and she. She just steps right up she to the challenge. She just steps right the hell up. Follows and just, all the instructions Ethan gave her. Yeah. Just point, find your target, point, and shoot. Yeah. And then empties an entire clip on the first bad guy. <laughs> Restraint. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Musgrave shows up with the rabbit's foot. Of course. And and then she blows him away. Right. And Julia basically saves the day in this. Exactly. She does everything that, that you need for this movie. It's almost like, I don't know. True lies? Hmm. (laughs) So, oh my God, it really is. So then uh, we get this almost like a montage of Julia doing CPR or resuscitatory stuff. Gives them the big chest poundy thing. Chest poundy thing. Honestly, not entirely convinced by it, only because since my wife is a nurse, I know that you basically have to break ribs for it to actually work. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, I wasn't convinced that he, <laughs> that she broke one of his ribs. I wasn't convinced she could have delivered a blow heavy enough to have done anything. She's a wee waif of a girl. Yeah, she's teeny tiny. So anyway, he snaps awake and <laughs> sort of comes to him. <laughs> the best line. He did that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like how he does that weird thing too with his jaw. His jaws like offset from the uh-huh. rest of his skull as he's sort of trying to figure out what the hell's going exactly. on around him. <laughs> so, so then they're just walking in Shanghai, mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> I love it. He's like, I work for an agency called the IMF. Uh-huh. Stands for Impossible Mission Force. She's like, you can't be serious. That's the, exactly. <laughs> like she might as well have said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> so, so I kind of like that. <laughs> Definitely. And then and then we sort of cut back to IMF and all is good with, with uh, Brassel and it's all happy and smiles. And uh, it looked like Ethan got uh, well uh, paid actually for this 
to get some kind of compensation some for sort it. of major compensation for all that he'd he'd been through and then on top of it brassel mentions that the white house now has a job with his name on it and ethan's like yeah i don't want to i just want to go on my honeymoon i just want to go on my honeymoon yeah and then i love this part but there needs to be a second line to it so ethan's like the rabbit's foot what is it (laughs) and i just wanted Lawrence fishburne to go well it's a MacGuffin." <laughs> it's not dangerous in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's just a MacGuffin. <laughs> I would, and then looked at camera, <laughs> broke the fourth wall, and been like, blink, blink, blink. <laughs> I'll tell you the real answer if you agree to continue working for me. <laughs> exactly. So then he's like, I'll send you a postcard. And then, mm-hmm. they, uh, and so then, I, and then, and then, dude, this is so corny as he is leaving. And like, they're all like, yeah, like the, the team, the IMF team, they're like all his work buddies are like cheering him on. And, they just sort of walk down the hallway laughing and giggling. Uh-huh. It's it's so almost office spacey uh-huh. or or something. You know, suddenly we're in a, a sitcom yeah. about about yeah. office relations. And it's a it's a felicity episode at the end. Everybody <laughs> cheering at the party in slow motion. Right, and then that's that's pretty much it. Um, it's interesting that they do end it that way, given where we pick back up in Ghost Protocol now. The thing is, is that always happens, though. A lot of times you make sequels and then at that point, you know, years have gone by and they're like, well, we need to read sort of point the ship in a different direction. And we'll just sort of write around this this continuity issue that we currently have. We'll write our way out of it so that we don't have to focus on their relationship for the next movie. Yeah, because who wants a spy movie about relationships? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, do you think do you think the rabbit's foot? Mm-hmm. The only thing you got out of it was that it was a can- red canister with a biohazard. Right. Dealing you think that was Bellerophon? I mean, it feels awfully Bellerophon to me. It feels very MI2 to me. And they just decided not to point that out. Mm-hmm. Like they were waiting. for was like, I wonder if that was Bellerophon. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. Like this is Mission Impossible 2 Part 2. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> with, a, with a better director. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> Arguably. But two, I mean two different directors, two different movies. That's true. One makes apples, one makes oranges. Yeah, one has doves. <laughs> one has lens flare. But there was no lens flare. There there weren't too many lens flares. I don't remember seeing any lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well Not too I many. can I can tell you right now. So uh, to sum up what I think. True Lies 2 was an excellent movie (laughs) that I have a 100% chance of watching again, Mm -hmm. whereas with True Lies, I'll probably never watch it again, but that if I never watched again, probably would not care. I liked this movie so much when I saw it in the theaters 10 years ago, oh God, 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. this was a great movie, Mm -hmm. but now I just like, give me more of the movie that it wasn't and take the movie that it was and just move it over here to the left because I wonder, is that a more reflection on where you are? (laughs) No, I think I never didn't realize how good the non-action scenes were in this movie. That's a good point. I remember sort of that sort of, uh, you're sort of blindsided by all the action. So you don't have, that's all you remember, right? You don't have time to focus on these other scenes. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it's necessarily where I am as a person. I just think that four and five and six, I think the action became more 
integrated into the story and less about mm-hmm. cramming a story around it. Right. They decided we're going to have one big stunt, mm-hmm. but the rest of it's going to kind of be gender main to the movie. Mm-hmm. This was the last Mission Impossible that was like, I want to do this and this and this and this. I write a story around it. And so I think the movies took a, a huge leap forward in terms of how good they were mm-hmm. from four. And this was yeah. kind of the last holdout. But I probably would never watch two again. I'm definitely never going to watch one again. And I love Brian De Palma, but there's like 18 other Brian De Palma movies that I can watch if I need that fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is just like, out of the three, I like it the most. But I don't know. I guess the next time I feel like I'm going to watch True Lies, I'm just going to watch this to get make sure I don't watch it again. <laughs> I kind of feel like this is a, almost a better version of True Lies. It, it's it, What if James Cameron had made True Lies? Oh, here we go. The only thing about True Lies is Tom Arnold. <laughs> but it's played intentionally that way. Yeah. So this is like the non-comedy version of True yeah, Lies. Exactly. Now, at least they didn't make her a spy at the end. Oh God, oh, that was yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, my my final thoughts are fairly similar, but almost in reverse. I actually, when I first saw this movie, I didn't like it. I was not a fan. Like it just didn't feel. It just felt dark and it felt cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I just, maybe I was just in a different place at that point when, when I saw it, it also came out the same year that Casino Royale came out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Casino Royale is my favorite James Bond movie of all time. Right. And to try and stack it up against Casino friggin' Royale, it's never going to, it's never going to win. No. And so, so I always just sort of shelved it away and I didn't pay much attention to the movie at all until we decided we were going to cover it and watching it now i actually like it more than i did initially again i still don't like how dark they made it I, it just doesn't feel very mission to me mm-hmm. or at least if you are going to make it that dark you need to try and smooth out those dark moments yeah so that so that you're not just flipping the switch to silly right you know that sort of thing <laughs> But I do, man, the the second and third acts of this movie, I actually really, really like. Yeah, like, absolutely. I just wish that they would have shot it more cinematic, kept it a little wider here and there instead of less, you know, JJ was still getting his film feet under him. He was still entrenched in TV feet. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think he went on to work with much better cinematographers, not, not any disrespect to Dan. Right. But I've never heard of the guy before, you know, and uh, towards the end of it, he's working with uh, Yanish and some Spielbergian guys. I mean, Mm -hmm. you get some guys that know how to film movies for Steven Spielberg, you're going to pick up a thing or two. Right. But, you know, I I would watch it again, but I think I'm like you. If I never saw it again, I don't think I'd be like hurt. (laughs) I I don't think I would be upset or something that I never got to see it again, but I'm glad I got to see it and I enjoyed watching it this time. So like I said, definitely the best one we watched thus far. Thus far. (laughs) But uh, yeah. So if you have thoughts on what you thought of Mission Impossible 3, please interact with us. Get in touch. We're we're only an email away. Only. Or Or, tweet. Or a tweet away. Uh, (laughs) Tweet away. Tweet away all. Um, But uh, <laughs> our email is uh, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. Um, on Instagram, we're Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores. Or on Twitter, which is CIC Spy Pod. So please, let us, let us know what you thought of Mission Impossible 3. 
If you disagree with us, if you think I'm full of shit, please just let me know. And if you think I'm full of shit, keep it to yourself because I don't care. <laughs> but hey, you know what I do care about is if you like the podcast, you enjoy listening to it. Hey, why don't you go to your app, your podcast provider of choice and give us a five-star review. It could be glowing or non-glowing. We're not going to demand glowing on this particular episode. Just not make sure one. there's five stars, not four stars, five stars. We don't want any of that Picard action going on here. <laughs> But leave us a review. Give us a stars. Tell everybody what you think. Help build this community. Let's get us out of the tens of listeners and maybe into the hundreds of listeners. That'd be excellent. It's a start, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis. And more mayhem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>